When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast on Monday, November 8th. I am Michael Beller. This was a strange week nine. We still got one game left, Monday Night Football, Bears and Steelers. If it follows anything that we saw on Sunday, it means that we're going to get like a 10-202 game from Allen Robinson and the Bears are going to somehow upset the Steelers. That would be right in line with everything we saw on week nine Sunday and we're going to break it all down for you. On this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, I am joined as always by Jake Seeley. Jake, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, screw the week <laughs> nine and having to pivot off yeah. the Dolphins for my giant survivor and go to <laughs> Dallas and then the stupid Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man, <laughs> that is, yeah, there was a survivor carnage that we've been waiting for for months. We finally got in week nine with no, the Cowboys. No, we got it last week. We didn't have to have it again. With the Bills, but this was a, this was a big one. Cowboys, Bills, those were too big. The Saints were a decent one as well. I mean, it was just, it was a crazy week, Funston. How you doing? Yeah, I'm kind of as grumpy grumpy like uh, Jake is there I'm I may I have a possibility of not getting a win in fantasy this week at all I had I had one team that scored 46 when your average scores are typically in like the 120 to 160 range <laughs> it was just I mean it really was just oh, one of those geez. one of those one of those weeks and uh, just uh, strange up and down strange results strange ways we got to those results and that's obviously where I want to start this episode what Jake was the weirdest part from a fantasy perspective to you uh, of this weird week nine? Uh, that the Chiefs offense still sucks. Uh, this really <laughs> what it comes down to. They had an easy matchup with the Packers, and mm -hmm. of all the attempts, like look at how many attempts Patrick Mahomes has because everybody out there might look at the box score and be like, oh, I threw for 100, what was it, 70 yards or something? Like, maybe he only threw the ball 18 times. No, they threw a ton, and he's been miserable. Now it's three straight weeks now, and I tried mm -hmm. to – Say his Patrick Mahomes don't have any concerns, but it's been either Hill or Kelsey, and even their Hill or Kelsey games haven't been consistent or the best of what they could be. The running game has been fine. <laughs> I mean, Daryl Williams, but it's honestly like the weirdest thing is just the fact that the Chiefs look broken. That's that's all I can say is the offense looks broken. If Funston, let me ask you to jump in on that too, because that was something that we had planned to talk about also, and it was a, a strange part of this week. I mean, they won the game, but like. At what cost? Because this offense does, as Jake said, look totally broken. Well, we're jumping ahead to my loser of the week, which was <laughs> who is Pat Mahomes. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. He has two touchdowns, two interceptions, and averaging 216 passing yards over his past three games. And it does look broken, and it doesn't look like they've had an answer for this this cover two, you know, that starting with the Bills, I believe it was, that really – I mean, Tyreek Hill is getting tons of volume, but he was, what, four catches, 37 yards, and we're seeing yeah. this over and over again where there's, there's this volume, but he's, you know, he can't get deep. 
Um, at least they got Travis Kelsey going a little bit. I think that's going to be important for them to get getting healthy is to getting him to be a threat over the middle again. I mean, conceivably, that's how you can hurt that kind of coverage, you know, is is work those middle underneath. And so Travis Kelsey doing that may be a glimmer of hope for the Chiefs, but I had them down as the biggest losers of the week. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. exactly right. The volume was there for for um, for Tyreek Hill. Plenty, eleven targets in that game, and he caught four of them for 37 yards. Just really ugly. And we've now seen it week on top of week to the point that like it's not. It, we can't just we can't hand wave it anymore. We can't no. dismiss it. We can't say the Chiefs are going to be fine. They're still the Chiefs. And you know, even earlier in the season, when like the, when this was starting, they were still putting up some big numbers, doing it in different ways, doing it in ways where it felt like they had to work harder than they had in years past. But they were still ultimately getting to where we expected them to be. And now that's totally gone as well. And I mean, it's not like you're going to bench Pat Mahomes. It's not like you're going to bench Travis Kelsey. But clearly, I, I mean, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that the floor that used to exist with this team is just not there right now. Yeah, and, and Mahomes does kind of, you know, look like he's lost some swagger, lost some confidence along the way, you know, and, and, and it's been like every time he kind of does the Mahomes crazy stuff from years past that would always work, it seems like this year that's turning into a, a turnover. And I think that's gotten in his head a little bit for sure. Um, but we'll see. And the weird thing about it is, is, is Jake says, it's not like we've seen a murderer's row of defenses that they've played. Right. They, these are these are winnable matchups that they should be putting up bigger, uh, you know, production from. So. Do you want my you want my weird? I would love it. I would love your weird. The the week nine leaderboard. Did you look at the top four <laughs> receivers? It's like uh, it's like Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith, Olamide, Zacchaeus, and and Malik Turner. That's your top four. And then you know you look <laughs> Malik at your, Turner all in garbage time yeah, too. <laughs> look at your 20, 20 carry rushers this week: Carlos Hyde, Devonte Booker, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, and Miles Gaskin. I mean, it's just that's if that doesn't tell you how you know upside down this week is, I don't know what does. And James Conner, by far the uh, at least, I mean, probably including quarterbacks, right? But James Conner, the top scorer of uh, Week Nine with the huge three mm -hmm. touchdown game that he had. That's something we'll talk about in a second here. Actually, maybe we're going to talk about it right now. I don't know what either of you guys are going to go with here, but Jake, you can take us first. Who won Week Nine? I uh, was, <laughs> I was thinking that like we weren't even going to do it. Who won Week Nine? So <laughs> forget me for like looking at. That. I was planning that was going to be our main question. So now you went to be first in the last one anyway. So go to Funston first. All right, Funston, who won week nine? Well, I think James Conner's the obvious because of the, you know, high ankle sprain to Chase Edmonds and how that will keep him out for a while and how that unlocked him in the passing game for five catches and 77 yards. I think he's the obvious winner because he's was the obvious leader in, in statistical production mm -hmm. this week as well. I think on the other side, George Kittle's seamless return, six catches, 101 yeah. yards, and a touchdown. Okay, um, just take everybody then. <laughs> you literally had nobody, so that I was trying I to cover, well, you trying have, to fill the void. You, have that you to, like, left name there. multiple people, so I have nobody still. I assumed we were just going to move on from this one for you and just kind of dive into stuff. So, all right, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. No, that's fine. Let's just move on then. <laughs> you can go losers, Jake. We already heard Funston's loser is the Kansas City Chiefs. If you've got a loser, this one should be easy to pull away. Uh, well, mostly because I didn't expect him to have a zero in the fact that he was not involved as Brian Edwards. Also because now Deshaun Jackson's coming in. And I have a little bit of hope, fine, because the schedule is fine enough. And maybe Deshaun Jackson opens things up and lets some of that coverage come back off of Brian Edwards. But still, to put up a zero mm -hmm. is concerning before Deshaun Jackson. I did think Renf Renfro was going to have the better game. I had Renfro ahead of him. But I still had I still had Brian Edwards as a top 40 wide receiver. I just... 
Not that zero. And now you have Deshaun Jackson. So, yeah, he, he lost. He lost from what could yeah. uh, hopefully have been a bro- breakout for him. My fab budget lost in, in, you know, in connection with all that, too. I spent a lot of money yeah. on Edwards this week. I mean that game too. Like that. What is? We'll talk about the games, but like what? If, like even the games that you know, like twenty three sixteen Giants win. Even games like where the result would have been believable if you knew it before it happened. The way that it happened was just very, very odd, and it was just it typified what we saw in this week. Let's talk about the waiver wire here really quickly, guys. I actually want to start this off by going back to Thursday and uh, Funston, guy you mentioned already, Elijah Moore, seven catches on eight targets, 84 yards and a pair of touchdowns. That came after six catches for 67 yards a week ago. We know that Corey Davis's absence has something to do with this, but are we seeing an Elijah Moore breakout right now? Uh, Yeah, my my pause would be that the quarterback situation is so upside you know it's just kind of weird right now and when Zach Wilson comes back you know the, the teams looked the worst in the passing game with Zach Wilson so far these backups are doing so much better are we have we seen just an overall change in this Jets offense and Zach Wilson comes in and he's gonna you know suddenly be doing what Mike White and Josh Johnson were doing I don't know so I, I have some trepidation especially if Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis are all healthy is Elijah Moore really going to be able to eat consistently? And I just don't know that that's worth a whole lot for me in fab budget this week. Yeah, let's rapid fire these uh, these waiver guys. Jake, you got the next one, and that is Jordan Howard. 17 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. In the Eagles' loss to the Chargers after a two-touchdown game a week ago, it seemed like maybe he edged back in front of Boston Scott with the usage in this game. How seriously are you taking what we saw from Jordan Howard this week in terms of uh, making some fab bids this weekend or this week? Excuse I mean, serious in the fact that he's the lead <laughs> but not in the fact that Miles Sanders is coming back. It was two of the easiest matchups you could possibly find in back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver, you can run on, but they also get the Saints right after that, and then Sanders is back. So if you need some help, he's the lead option, but I don't think it's any less frustrating than a lot of backfields that have two or three options. You could be Boston Scott again, and then get a game will actually got a vulture touchdown for all intents yep. and purposes of that <laughs> game. So, yeah, if you need running back help, but he's still sitting out there, He's the lead, but I'm not going crazy for Jordan Howard. Brandon, yesterday morning we were doing our pregame chat. We talked about Dan Arnold being one of the go-to guys of this show, and Dan Arnold did it again. Four catches on seven targets, 460 yards. He's got 20 catches and 30 targets over his last four games, 60-plus yards in three of those games. It seems pretty easy that he is a back-end, tight-end one week in and week out, maybe even a top-ten guy at the position for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's now four games with 55 uh, receiving yards. I don't know how many tight ends can claim uh, can claim that, but it's going to be among among the best. I mean, he hasn't found the end zone yet, but the, he has been getting opportunities. Uh, you know, I know that I saw them throw to him in the end zone in this game, but in a nine to six game against one of the best defenses in the league, and you can come out four for 60, and you've basically been doing that week in and week out since you arrived in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's it's you know back end tight end one for sure. Jake, pretty ugly game for the 49ers, but uh, Brandon mentioned one nice silver lining for them. George Kittle stepping right back in seamlessly. And then we got to also talk once again about Brandon Ayuk. A bad fumble early in this game, but didn't derail his performance. Eight more targets, caught six of them, 89 yards and a touchdown. Couple that with what he did in week eight. Are you interested in him? To what degree are you interested in him in leagues where he's available? Uh, I'd say more aggressive than 
you know, Jordan Howard, that's for sure. There's no question about it. Not the greatest matchup this week with the Rams, but then Jacksonville, Minnesota, Seattle, Cincinnati, and Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. Like, where's a bad matchup in there where you're, like, mm-hmm. that concerned? And the biggest thing is, you know, I talked about this with Meany, and I said, you know, Shanahan, we get frustrated with him. But more often than not, you know, if he heads down a road and continues to head down a road and continues to be stubborn, he's going to be st- – and he kept saying that Ayuk needed to show more and Ayuk might not be 100%. Ayuk wasn't back to being mm-hmm. the Ayuk he wanted to see. Well, the past two weeks, he's back, and at this point yep. – you know, and I'm not saying that Debo's done for as a wide receiver one. But I actually would mm-hmm. buy low on Debo Samuel, but I would also say that Ayuk is back to being relevant. And that included a game where George Kittle was back to being yep. the number one tight end for the week. Yep, yep, absolutely. We saw some things from this 49ers offense that we're going to have to take forward into the rest of the season. Brandon, one of your guys, Ramondre Stevenson, back in our lives at all. 10 carries for 62 yards. Obviously, there's some game script stuff going on here. We don't want to trust anything we see too much from this uh, Patriots offense outside of Damian Harris. You doing anything with Stevenson in leagues where he's available? Yeah, in, in leagues where he's available, and I have Damian Harris uh, for sure. I'm adding him, but uh, you know, this I'm Charlie Brown, you know, and Lucy's holding the football, <laughs> and yeah, I'll get fooled again. Uh, that's that, that's how it goes with the Ramondre. I mean, I was seeing some, you know, Salfino. I edited Sal, Michael Salfino's column, and he had a note about Ramondre Stevenson and how managers of Damian Harris should be worried. And I'm like, I, I don't really agree with him on that. And in the comments, they were quick to say there's a very good chance he'll be as much a healthy scratch this coming week as he will be in the lineup. And I think we're still in that world where we can't count on him, uh, you know, as Jake likes to bring up with D'Angelo Williams telling him that sometimes during during the week, Mm -hmm. you know, something can happen and the coaches don't trust the player for that week and they're going to go ahead and and deactivate him. I think we've seen that with Ramondre. But I have a lot of Damian Harris. I would be a lot more comfortable in all those leagues if I had Ramondre Stevenson on my bench. All right, Jake, one more guy I want to get to here, and that is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Had one big play that was responsible for most of his production, a 60-yard touchdown, two catches for 86 yards in the score. So one other big, big-ish big play, right, a 26-yard catch, a 60-yard touchdown. Those were his two catches in the Browns' win over the Bengals. Three targets in that game as well. No Odell Beckham there now, so maybe there's a target bump here. Donovan Peoples-Jones, where is he relevant? What sort of leaks? Uh, all of them. Honestly, uh, just because uh, at this point, where are you going to find a wide receiver for? And he's in play as a wide receiver for uh, Jarvis Landry did nothing. I don't expect that to be the commonality. But the Peoples Jones, the thing stopping him was always whether or not he was ever get to be in the number two on the team. And that wasn't going to happen with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham around. And then he needed to make sure that he was definitively past Higgins. And he is now. So he's the number two. He's taking Odell Beckham's role. But what was Odell Beckham before him? He was a wide receiver four. He was a boomer bust type of play. So I'd say all leagues. I, I I would never thumb my nose up. I always say that. I'd never thumb my nose up at running back depth. I don't ever have too many running backs. Well, if it's a wide receiver four, I mean, a wide receiver four shouldn't be floating out there. Donovan Peoples-Jones could have a bigger role to play for this Browns offense, certainly. These are not all, obviously all the uh, waiver guys that you should be looking at over these next, uh, what, 24, 36 hours. Jake's got uh, a column for you that you can check out where you can really dive into all of the waiver guys coming for you a little bit later. So uh, definitely be sure to check that out and uh, really start attacking the waiver wires using that in addition to this right here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys. Uh, week 9, like we said a few times here, a weird one. But I want to start off with a game that, you know, sort of went according to a script that any of us would have believed going into it, and that is Vikings and Ravens. The Ravens get a 34-31 victory in overtime. Hilarious that uh, that Adam Thielen had, what, one, two targets in this game, and one of them was a touchdown. Like, that's just the Adam Thielen way, but not as hilarious is Justin Jefferson. We have now seen a, a couple of games here where just the volume hasn't been there for him, you guys. Nine targets over the last two weeks. That's just not what we're used to seeing for Justin Jefferson. Any reason to be concerned about that at all, Jake? Yeah, because volume, like that's really what it comes down to is if he doesn't hit that big play for a touchdown, then, you know, we're a lot more concerned than we are today. I mean, I'm not overly concerned in saying like, yeah, well, let's kill Justin Jefferson from beating the wide receiver one group, but he's at the back end where going into the season, a lot of people had him as top five. Uh, I think that in a different way before the Calvin Ridley situation, it's like similar to that. Like Calvin Ridley was more volume, but everything was short. Uh, Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. still getting the big opportunities, but there are fewer opportunities. That's the biggest problem. So, you know, you're still going to play him as a wide receiver one. It's just low end. And, you know, maybe in some of the matchups, the, the, the biggest thing that we come out of this, though, is like where what's the takeaway? Like you're never going to bench Justin Jefferson. Right, right. Like so like I, right. I don't know what else more to say than say, you know, it kind of sucks that he's not top five, but he's still top 15. So not much you can do about it. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, great receivers do what Justin Jefferson did, that even when he got low volume, he still managed a way to, you know, get to 80 yards total and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's reminiscent of DK Metcalf when Russell's been out. Gosh, he's been getting five targets week in and week out, and he just finds a way to make big plays and touchdowns. So, and there's a lot of topsy-turviness right now in the, in the wide receiver one class, so I don't know that you can separate out Justin Jefferson and say he's more damned than than a bunch of other guys. CeeDee Lamb, you know, like there's, there's right. other guys out there that we have to worry about as well topsy turviness is the name of the game at the running back position which maybe makes Devonte freeman interesting this coming week Devonte did have himself a nice game against the vikings 13 carries 79 yards he caught a touchdown and what potentially makes him interesting funston is it's a short week for the ravens they play thursday night football against the dolphins so maybe another game where latavius murray isn't healthy enough to play and we have to believe that in games where Latavius isn't out there, Devontae Freeman, even with a decent game out of Le'Veon Bell, looks like the lead guy for the Ravens. He sort of does, although I thought Le'Veon Bell, you know, jumped out looking from the eye test better than he's looked all year long and looked really good. Uh, you know, some of this might be just due to matchup as well. But I think, you know, another loser of week nine is, is Tyson Williams. I don't know that he sees the light of day. I mean, really, the way... Mm-hmm. The way these two have played, and you bring back Latavius Murray, I don't think there's a spot for him. And especially if, if Freeman and Le'Veon Bell are going to continue to look, uh, you know, like they drank from the Fountain of Youth a little bit. So, um, uh, so yeah, I, I think Freeman's interesting. But I also say Le'Veon Bell is interesting to me as well now for the first time in, in forever. <laughs> Adrian Peterson, Peterson and Le'Veon Bell at all? Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell. That's what we were doing in yeah, the we 2001 season. Yeah. I, yeah. It just, it, it's matchup short week. If there's no Latavius Murray, that's the only way I'm really interested mm-hmm. in anyone. And, yeah, i definitely interested in Devonta Freeman as the lead. Uh, if Latavius Murray is back, I might just try to avoid the entire backfield. I'm sure one of them will do fine if Murray is back. But 
is it going to be Murray or is it going to be Freeman because he's proved himself at this point? Like, I don't think we can tell you exactly what's going to happen. So I would lean Freeman, but uh, yeah, if there is no Murray, I feel good. I put down quotes, almost good about Freeman as an RB2. Another guy throwing it back a few years in week nine, you guys, was James Conner, as we've already discussed, one of the big winners, maybe the big winner in week nine, up near 100 rushing yards on 21 carries. He had five catches for 77 yards, found the end zone three times. Chase Edmonds suffering an injury in the Cardinals' win over the 49ers. Jake, in a world where we're talking about James Conner in a backfield without Chase Edmonds, with Eno Benjamin, how does he look in the fantasy world? Well, that's the biggest thing is obviously nobody expected Chase Edmonds to get hurt that early in the game and be mm-hmm. done for the rest of the day. But if you're telling me James Conner with only Eno Benjamin, I think Eno Benjamin takes some of the Chase Edmonds role, but not as much as Edmonds was. I mean, that was almost like a 50-50 share similar to the Broncos. So I'd say even going against this week, you know, it's not a bad matchup at all. It's Carolina. Uh, they do a decent job of getting pass coverage, but, you know, against the run, they're you know, middle of the road type of situation. So James Conner, fringe RB1. I mean, because you're going to say like 70%. And the only concern that you have about James Conner is if he was to get hurt and you can't play that game. You can't be like, well, I'm going to play him as RB20 because James Conner has injury history. So James Conner's in the RB1 conversation. This is heading into this year. You know, we had the argument for days on end that I was saying they should be back-to-back, and I would take James Conner over Chase Edmonds. But I still, even that, never expected it to be this good. Yeah, I think the important thing here is he's probably, you know, the the receiving down back now as well. I mean, he was a good receiver right. at Pittsburgh. He had, you know, a 55-catch yeah. season where he averaged nine yards per catch. I think it just made sense – where you're going to give Chase Edmonds some look was okay. We'll let Chase Edmonds because he's you know he's going to be more dynamic in space, sure. But now at this point, it goes back to okay. Now you know James Conner's out there. Now you really don't know if they're running or, or throwing the ball because I think he'll he'll be the guy and he proved he can still catch it and do well in that regard. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggie there. That's that's you know that's going to help him in the volume department. If you know Benjamin comes in, it's probably going to be a lot like what we saw where it's just like the nine carries but nothing in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And you got to trust James Conner in pass protection. It's something he always did great with the Steelers and obviously Kyler Murray. When he comes back, it's going to be coming back from an injury. you got to keep that guy upright if you're going to achieve those Super Bowl dreams that you certainly have as the 8-1 and Cardinals. So good news for James Conner. On the other side of this game, more bad news for the 49ers as a team. Right? We talked about some individual performances, but as a team, they're now 3-5. and five. They're staring up at the Cardinals. They're staring up at the Rams. they got a very top-heavy NFC to deal with. Like, maybe... Someone, some uh, mediocre to like a sort of bad team is going to sneak into the playoffs in the NFC, but it might not be the 49ers. And so that has me wondering, Funston, are we in Trey Lance countdown time? Uh, maybe not just yet. I got to I gotta look at the schedule and see what makes the most sense, and maybe Jake's figured it out. But uh, what is, the Niners are three and five. They're probably not as buried. Three and I five. mean, there's a seventh team in the playoffs in, in the NFC, and I know as a Seahawks fan – everybody's still clinging to that because there's a lot of crappy teams that are kind of still in the mix there, you know? And so, uh, so I think they're still in play. I think they they got probably another three or four weeks before we really get to Trey Lance time. The next three weeks really quick here, we got a home for the Rams, then at the Jaguars home for the Vikings for the 49ers. Don't, don't, don't just automatically assume that Jaguars uh, game is a win. (laughs) (laughs) 
no one just automatically assumes the Jaguars win, not even the Buffalo Bills. Uh, let's move on to our next game here. Another surprising game in the way that it unfolded. You know, the Browns are a good team, right? And the Bengals, you know, we think that maybe they're a good, good-ish team as well. But to see the Browns just unload on the Bengals the way that they did in Cincinnati, that was a bit of a surprise. Rewind to last week, Jake telling us to uh, have some caution with that Bengals passing game. You want to take a victory lap here at all, Jake? I mean, I didn't expect it to be that bad. Honestly, I did. And the interesting thing is I joked about it uh, this earlier this morning with Chris and I said, you know, I got back. I, I got Shanahan. I got backed into a corner of having to put Joe Burrow as a QB one. I didn't want to. But then I lost Kyler Murray, Taysom Hill and two attack who were all in front of him as QB one. So he wasn't a QB one. But he backed into being a QB one for the week, and it still and I'm so that's why I'm saying it's like that's why like yeah, yeah. victory lap because I was concerned, but I wasn't knocking Burrow down as far as he finished, which wasn't even inside right. the top fifteen, which was he like what is he like twenty something this week? It was miserable because the game was just off in general, and going into it and what we talked about on the ranking show, as I said, he's been remarkably efficient, but to have that efficiency in a bad matchup is concerning, and it mm-hmm. was, uh, it, again, it wasn't as, it was worse than I expected it to be. Uh, I do expect Burrow to bounce back a little bit, but as mentioned before, the schedule does not get much prettier because it's one of the worst passing schedules mm-hmm. the rest of the season, so you know, maybe you hope that Cincinnati bounces back after their bye, which that gives them time to correct, similar to Justin Herbert earlier this year when he had his off game. But the Raiders get pass rush. As we just saw, they limited the entire Giants passing game. You beat them on the ground. And then Steelers, Chargers, bad matchup, bad matchup. So I don't know that it gets much better. The problem is, is if you didn't sell, now they're on a bye. Nobody's going to buy while they're on their bye. Yeah, yeah, Jake I pretty much nailed all that, Funston. Are you have any further worries for the Cincy passing game? It's the bye and then the three matchups that Jake just mentioned. Well, I don't think we can ignore the fact that Jamar Chase, for as great as he was in the first, what, seven weeks, the last two weeks, he's nine for 22 in, in catch percentage, you know, of, of targets. And he has three drops in that time, including one on, on Sunday. He had the fumble lost. He was targeted on the Denzel Ward uh, pick six. Uh, it's so so we're, I don't know if it's, we're just seeing a rookie blip, but we're seeing extra attention. But Jamar Chase also just didn't play well and he hasn't played well the last two weeks so you know more so than just worry about Justin Jefferson I think you got to be a little bit concerned about Jamar Chase not saying he's going to be bad but that you know maybe you missed your sell high window maybe we're going to see the rookie some unevenness as he's now drawing true alpha dog attention coming into this week you guys on BetMGM Najee Harris was plus 1100 for offensive rookie of the year and as, as as Jamar Chase slows down a little bit, Najee maybe can pick up some ground. If you can still get that before Monday Night Football against the Bears, that might be something worth considering because maybe that race starts to flip in the second half of the season. We already talked about the problems that are mounting in Kansas City with the fact that they put up just 13 points in that game against the Packers. But again, like, you know, uh, Funston and I talked about this a little bit, Jake, but like, is there anything you can do with that I mean we know it's true but like is there anything actionable that you can draw from it in fantasy leagues try to buy low on Tyree Kill and Patrick Holmes so that's really what it comes down to I don't know that you're getting Kelsey much place uh, try to buy low on all of them it, the thing is is even if this continues the rest of the season let's just say that it never gets better so Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is a fringe QB one now Tyreek Hill is fringe wide receiver one and Kelsey's still 
in the argument to be top three at least. So this is kind of like the worst case scenario of what you get going forward. So if you get somebody panicking, thinking that, you know, I got to get away from all of it, then you'd still try to buy. Obviously, you know, this is for somebody that isn't potentially getting knocked out of your fantasy playoffs. Like you can't go, oh, I'm going to buy all these guys, whatever. But like maybe if you on the flip side, maybe if you know that one more loss and you need a last ditch effort, you could look at it that way. So I would say if you're a contender or if you're just looking for the home run, you have nothing left to do, but take that swing and, you know, hopefully it goes over the fence for you, then that's what you go for. But yeah, I'd, I'd throw out offers to try and buy low on all of them because you hope the team's smart enough to fix what's going on. But the biggest problem continues to be the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's really hurting everyone there. You know, I, I don't think Tyreek Hill has gone – he's gone five weeks now without catching a 20-plus yard pass, which is – you know, it just speaks to kind of what defenses are doing there. So It's like – I mean, it's a, that's like a total symptom of like – that's exactly what you – if you were like hunting around for what's wrong in like the body of yeah. the Chiefs offense, that would be like one of the most glaring signs. Like no big plays for Tyreek Hill is a huge, huge flashing warning sign, and that's – what we've been dealing with now, as Funston just pointed out, for more than a month here. And that's just, it's just, there is something wrong with this Kansas City offense. And maybe they're not going to bounce back to the level that we're used to seeing them at over these last few years. I do want to rewind to Thursday's game because we did have quite a bit of, I think, fantasy talking points coming out of that one. I want to start off, you guys, with Carson Wentz and his sneaky usability in fantasy leagues. We're now talking about two straight games with three touchdowns, six straight games with multiple touchdowns, and the next three weeks for the Colts, a home for the Jaguars at the Bills, home for the Buccaneers. How comfortable, Funston, would you be with uh, Carson Wentz as a starting fantasy quarterback in those matchups? Yeah, I don't think the sneaky is the right way to put it because I don't think that's lost on anybody in fantasy. When a guy is that consistent for that long, people recognize, and he's now a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And as you mentioned, two-plus touchdowns week in and week out. The yardage has been decent. They're very very, very well-balanced on offense, and you know they can beat teams in multiple ways if they have to. So I think at this point, he's kind of matchup matchup uh, agnostic and um, you know you can consider him kind of in that back end QB1 class and feel pretty good about a week in a week out uh, Jake you on the same page here? A little bit I don't, I want to say completely matchup independent because he also hasn't faced anybody like Buffalo since he's been on this run mm-hmm. uh, I was I was just double checking to make sure I was thinking correctly in my head and I was I mean it's Dolphins, Ravens Texans, 49ers, Titans Jets that's not a single pass defense you're worried about in there so the Bills. I don't know. The Titans' defense is looking better and better week each week now. They just shut down the Rams it, it, in, in getting, L.A. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not putting that much stock into the Titans' defense being somebody I'd be concerned about, though. Like it's looking better, but not concerned. I said the Bills. But I mean, how many defenses are you really just like that's going to change your? The Bills. Now. He's got the like, Bills coming up. That's and that's my point. Is he's got that yeah, coming up? It's like one or two. I mean, Cleveland and and the but, Bills. There's not a whole lot of defenses. You're asking me the question. Let me like finish the answer. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like, not just the Bills. It's also the biggest problem is Carson Wentz has a week 14 bye. that's just that's why that's what I was going to couple uh-huh. into this is like sure I I had Lamar Jackson I used Carson Wentz during Lamar Jackson's bye, and that was great for me I was happy about it but mm-hmm. like going forward I, I wouldn't be put this way Joe Burrow's got his bye this week a more worrisome mm-hmm. schedule I still don't think I'd make the swap of Burrow for Wentz Funston you on the same page with that I mean, I, I think that's I think it's a pretty good debate. I don't know if I mm-hmm. can, can slam dunk an answer right now, but I think it's in the uh, it's you know it's a good fifty fifty kind of proposition. 
Right. All right, maybe you can slam dunk an answer for this. We can keep this nice and short and sweet. Jonathan Taylor, is he going to be the rushing champ, yes or no? He's going to have the best odds, for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll say yes, sure. Yes. I mean, what a game he just put together. 172 yards rushing, 28 more receiving, so 200 yards on the dot, a couple of touchdowns. I mean, Jonathan right Taylor uh, taking off. Who is Nick right Chubb's 100 yards behind him. Nick Chubb's next up. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Nick Chubb's That's gonna good. Be, that could be a good little rush <laughs> race for the second half of the season. 100 yards 20, is, I mean, I mean it, Taylor's it's meaningful, got the, but it's not. He's got the you know, bye in week 14. So yeah, that's Taylor's the still got his bye. But Chubb's got 20 fewer rushing attempts, so five yards an attempt, and he ties him. So I'd say Taylor would be the odds, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't discount Chubb yet. I mean, Chubb has lived above five yards per attempt his entire career. Right? That's why I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun one. That'll be a fun one to watch. Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb uh, contending for that rushing title down the stretch here. Uh, Ty Johnson versus J.D. McKissick. I just put him. I put these guys next to one another like this, you guys, just because it feels like the sort of role Ty Johnson can play. So maybe it's less Ty Johnson versus J.D. McKissick and more can Ty Johnson be a J.D. McKissick-type player, Jake, in full PPR leagues the rest of the season. He's better. Reading my waiver column, I thought you were going to let me victory lap this one. I was saying Ty Johnson. <laughs> for, I said Ty Johnson. Stop ignoring Ty Johnson. Heading into last week, he was RB25. Oh, by the way, in the last four games, he's only played three because they had their bye. So he's RB25 with only three games where a lot of running backs have four. And the best part about it is why well, I thought you were going to let me victory. I thought you were going to talk about the one that I retweeted the guy who waited till five minutes was left in the game and said, this is why we don't trust Ty Johnson. And in the very next play, Ty Johnson scored a touchdown. And like when trolling <laughs> goes sideways as fast as it possibly can. So there you go. Yes. Ty Johnson over J.D. McKissick. The only reason J.D. McKissick, I think, legitimately is in this conversation, and he could surpass Ty Johnson, is if Antonio Gibson get shut down mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I think we have to see what Washington does I'm assuming they're going to try and see what Gibson looks like with 13 days ish off and maybe they mm-hmm. hope that that fixed everything even though it's not as long as the layoff as Funston keeps referencing and what Virginia and inside injury says but maybe they're hoping that gets him right uh, but that's where the, at this point going forward if Gibson played the rest of the season I would take Ty Johnson all right one of the uh, I think there are two games that stand above the rest in week nine for just like what the hell was that? And one of them certainly was Broncos and Cowboys. Funston, is this just a flush and move on game for the Cowboys? Let's not worry too much. Dak coming off the injury. Just forget about it. Move on and not too concerned with all the things that seemingly went wrong for them in week nine. I mean, you have to. How else do you, can you explain it? I mean, I watched the game. Dak looked bad. I mean, he didn't look he didn't look Dakish. You know, it's, and it, I think you have to point to the injury. I mean, I think we have to give him the pass, like we gave Justin Herbert, looking bad for for two weeks in a row, and then all of a sudden he comes out and he's back to being Justin Herbert this week. So I, I expect that we'll see a better version of Dak next week, and as he continues to get healthy, I, it's the only explanation to me is just you know coming off an injury. They were just out of sorts a bit. Jake, they had same to make thing, it worse by throwing it. two touchdowns to the people, like one person that mattered for nobody. Like he, it's right. almost like he did it on purpose just to screw us all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think another week will be fine because also you know Ezekiel Elliott was kind of having an off week too, so it's just that yeah. that entire thing went sideways. But I don't even want to talk about them because screw you guys and my survivor. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I had I, I was I'm in a, uh, I'm in a couple of survivor pools. I'm in one where I had two entries, one of which was on the Colts, so yay for me. The other one was on the Cowboys, so I'm down to one entry in that league. But my pot odds certainly increased with uh, you know not being on 
the Bills and only having one of my two on the Cowboys. So, you know, that's just a way of saying I had a better Survivor Week than you, Jake, in your face. <laughs> um, how about Cortland Sutton on the other side of this game, you guys? I'm a little concerned with what we've seen from him. This was another just nothing. I mean, nothing of a game. Two targets, one catch, nine yards, and he has now been outside the top 60, top 60 wide receivers every game that Jerry Judy has been healthy. Jake, what, did, what are we doing with Sutton? Is he did a Did somebody tweet that? stat or something because meanie threw the same thing at me did somebody tweet really? out that that top 60 stat i went not i maybe i went and uh i, I went and looked it up myself jake i would just went oh, and okay. looked it's, it. it's, you know, it's seven, played three games three games seven targets four catches 63 total yards zero <laughs> yeah, touchdowns i mean that's damning that, that's pretty no, no, damning. i just I, I just thought that was interesting that meanie said the same thing to me he said that he's been <laughs> top 60 and it was all three games so yeah, yeah i think what, what i what i said is i think it's the basically like the Buccaneers and the Bengals where, you know, somebody gets left out, but at least on those teams, we seem to know who the clear third is as of today. I think it looks like it's Sutton, but I wouldn't definitively say it is, but you know, that's a, as Brandon just said, it's a damning stat to have that bad when Judy's out there. But if you're telling because the, the thing is, is it comes down to is if it's a talent, pure wide receiver talent. I think most people, including myself, would still take Sutton over Judy, although Judy is right. It's not. It's a very close. It's a toss-up almost. But the Patrick is the – what's weird is Patrick's not going away. We've been saying that for weeks. We. Yeah. Uh, we've been saying that. So, yeah, I'm concerned about Sutton, although if everybody – and that's why I said is anybody tweeting out that stat because if somebody is, then maybe I try to buy low on Sutton because maybe somebody wants to drop him. Alex yeah. says that uh, he saw Meanie. Meanie tweeted that out, apparently. Uh, so I just went and looked no, 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 no. FFToday.com, very easy website to use, yep. very easy to sort things. I just I just knew it was something in my head. And then, you know, obviously we're just we're net we're humans. We're naturally gonna draw cutoffs at 10, 20, 30, 40, right? And so 60 is just the one that he fell beneath. Yeah, and I'm just looking at Tim Patrick at the same time. So what did I say? Seven targets, four catches, sixty-three yards, zero touchdowns for Sutton. For Patrick, it's um, 11 catches, 180 plus yards, and two touchdowns in those same three games. So it's kind of, kind of like in, if you know if we're looking at the hierarchy, very clearly, Cortland Sutton's been third in each one of those games. I will see your Dak Prescott touchdown pass annoyance and raise it to the Falcons. Could there have been? Are, they they score three touchdowns. They score 27 points. They win that game. Are there three less useful touchdowns than Olamide Zacchaeus getting two and Matt Ryan rushing for one? No Kyle Pitts, mm. no Cordero Patterson finding the end zone. Had a great game yardage-wise, but nothing. We're talking about Zacchaeus well, and I mean, Matt Ryan out, rushing. Shout out to Brandon Howard, who had a nice little expose on Zacchaeus in his column this week. So if there's any loyalists of Brandon Howard out there, they might have reaped the benefits of Zacchaeus. But no, that was, was about it. I was going to say, yeah, the shout out is we would just mention it's Malik Turner taking the only two touchdowns that Dak threw. <laughs> How about that? How about Steven Anderson getting a touchdown this week? How about that one? I, can throw there. so there's our, I agree with you on Zacchaeus, but at least Matt Ryan, like people somewhere used Matt Ryan yeah. at least. Matt Ryan rushing touchdown? Come on. Yeah. Uh, it's a touchdown for Matt Ryan. It's a touchdown. People were using him. I mean, I'm look, looking, I could, uh, it, when you're guessing between Russell Gage and, and Tajay <laughs> Sharp and Olamidius Zacchaeus, like any one of them, any one of them makes more sense. You just you put know? Oh, on Kyle first Pitts. Name too. Like, Kyle Pitts? What's, well, you know? Kyle Pitts, they missed on what would have probably been like an opening drive touchdown to Kyle Pitts too. I mean, if he would have caught that and he would have had like over a hundred yards and a touchdown, but Matt, Matt Ryan sailed it. Um, or did Kyle Pitts drop it? Do you guys remember what happened on that very first drive? Very. I was on my way to a friend's. Okay. 
Oh. So I, I missed the or very early part of, <laughs> the, of the first quarter yeah, of noon games. Either way, it was mm-hmm. opportunity loss for Kyle Pitts. It could have been a huge play, and it should have been, but it didn't happen. Well, it's just, you know, I mean, there were so many of those touchdowns that we had in week nine, which, again, typified yeah. the week, and maybe we see – do you guys think we're going to see any sort of just the blandest quarterback competition of all time with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill the rest of the season? Taysom's – or, excuse me, Simeon's end-of-game numbers, if you didn't watch anything in the game, if you didn't know how that game unfolded, and you just looked at the box score – they don't look terrible, right? But we know how that game unfolded, and we know that the Saints needed that ridiculous rally to almost ultimately win that game. Is there any chance we get this as a quarterback battle and Taysom Hill ends up taking over, Jake? Is there anything you want to place a bet on there? No, I, I don't mess with it. Like I think that's just what we're going to see is Sean Payton loves to have Taysom Hill as the change of pace option, and Simeon's doing fine out there, although the offense – Probably the way that it worked yesterday worked better for the Taysom Hill style, which would make sense. But if you're going to use Simeon, it's just like you could say, well, you should use the offense a little bit differently, including, you know, force him, make him stand there and practice and throw 10 straight targets to Alvin Kamara until he realizes that he can throw to Alvin (laughs) Kamara and not only Mark Ingram. But, you know, it really comes down to is the offense would work better for Simeon if they made it change a little bit but it's Peyton is doing what Peyton does and I'm not saying we're smarter than Peyton I would never say that but his offense is built to have both have value and if you're playing this game where both have then I want nothing to do with either I never want anything to do with a quarterback situation even unless Taysom Hill definitively was announced as the starter because you're not going to sprinkle in Simeon I want nothing to do with it Man, I would bet on Taysom Hill. I just, two weeks of Simeon, I just don't see it. I'm sorry. I don't know how Sean Payton continues with that. I would just, I would change this offense completely. You only have one guy you need to worry about feeding, and that's Alvin Kamara. You can figure that out. Like, those receivers are dime a dozen, and you don't, I mean, that's not not what you plan your offense around right. anyway. So just blow it up and just go Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara all the time. That's I think that's right. If the path. offense is going to like run like this, I agree with you. But the problem is, is they have no wide receivers. And well, I watch them pick up Odell Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> someone's going to someone's going to and we're gonna uh talk not about off that waivers though he's I, no, 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 I, i'm no, feeling pretty confident clear waivers, clear waivers and then yes. yes that feels that definitely uh feels safe there and yeah simeon and hill that would just be the blandest quarterback competition any of us could ever imagine right that would just be be crazy all right, guys, let's talk about the Eagles and the Chargers for a second. Miles Sanders, we know he's coming back. We referenced Jordan Howard a little bit earlier. Funston, what do you think Miles Sanders is coming back to when he does come back? Yeah, probably more of a timeshare than before. Uh, the, the good news, though, is I think they weren't just giving – they weren't they, – I think they've transitioned their offense to be a run-heavy team now where they were not running – you know, at all earlier in the year. So Miles Sanders might be coming back something to a similar role just because – they are now just going smash mouth, it seems like. So uh, maybe there's going to be a little bit more volume and maybe he'll be the clear receiving back. And maybe it'll, it'll probably be Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard with Boston Scott falling back and Kenneth Gamewell falling back. That's kind of where I where I imagine this might be going. Jake, do you see it differently? Uh, so what you're saying, hey, now you're an all-star? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Get Smash game Mouth. On. Hey now, play. oh Smash Mouth. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I'm saying hey now. Star. Miles Sanders is an all star. I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, but I mean Miles Sanders was being used in that role is the fact that he wasn't being used much in the passing game. So I this is you know this is, this is the Ravens. 
It's going to be a mess if all of them are healthy and active on the same day. You hope that for fantasy purposes, you know, you don't always hope that somebody gets hurt. I'm not saying that, but who you're hoping one is inactive. Uh, but if Miles Sanders comes back and Jordan Howard's still there and Boston Scott is still doing his thing and like now forget about it. You're just out altogether. And maybe at that point, Jordan Howard hits the game day inactive because they last yep. week they took him back off the roster and put him in the practice squad and they brought him back on later in the week. So right. maybe. But Jordan Howard's looked good two games in a row. So, yeah, as of right now, I see some people have said before, buy on Sanders for the hope when he comes back. And I'm like, ah, for what? Like a bench mm-hmm. option? That's that's That would be my only hope at this point. Uh, we talked about Justin Herbert bouncing back in a big way in this game. Keenan Allen had himself a big game. Not a whole lot from Austin Eckler, but that's going to happen. Do we have further reason to Brandon. worry? Is it time, you guys, on Mike Williams? Jake? No, it's Brandon's guy. Brandon gets to go first again. This is your guy. <laughs> Uh, a little bit. I mean, I think if you watched the game, like Justin Herbert was going to him early and he had a big drop early and kind of wasn't looking mm-hmm. great early and it kind of decided to just go elsewhere and never really came back around to Mike Williams and ended up leaning on Keenan Allen. I think that's something you have to worry about is just Justin Herbert now feel a lot more, you know, like that Keenan Allen's a more reliable and more trusty guy to throw to because he targeted him a ton after trying to get Mike Williams to go get going early on. So uh, we yeah. don't know if Mike Williams is still injured or not uh, in some way, if he's not 100%, but I think we are seeing a changing back to Keenan Allen as the lead dog in this past game. I think that's the takeaway is that, you know, sometimes players and teams will do this. If something's just kind of off at the beginning of the game, you know, you just kind of look elsewhere for what's working. And what's working is 13 targets for 12 catches for Keenan Allen yesterday. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to And then Mike Williams only had five. He caught two for 58. Here's the good news. Mike Williams, of his five targets, three were red zone. One was end zone. The only other person with an end zone target was friggin' Steven Anderson's touchdown, as I mentioned before. And they're like, <laughs> why couldn't have that gone to Mike Williams? But I yeah. say, you know, I'm still... Everything was just fun to said though. It was an off week, but at least he looked back like he was like he wasn't kind of like limping along. I don't want to say limping along. It wasn't ninety percent. He looked fine. He looked good. Yeah. So I would say I would still go to. I would look to buy low on Mike Williams for another week. Yeah, and what it was two catches for fifty eight yards. So you mm-hmm. still like to see like again. You don't love the, the the overall production, but that is like a Mike Williams line if in a bad game. Well, put it this way: Keenan Allen had Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keenan Allen had 83 air yards on 13 targets. Mike Williams had 64 on five. But how much? <laughs> yeah, Mike Williams had three three yards of yak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah, so, I, yeah. so yeah. Keenan won that side of the equation just by a little bit. Um, Titans and uh, and Rams, another one of the bizarre perf- <laughs> uh, results that we saw. 28-16 Sunday Night Football. No Derrick Henry and the Titans. I mean, you know, offensively. Not really sure what to draw from it, so that's what we're coming to you guys for. What are our just impressions of our first game <laughs> without Derrick Henry Funston? Well, I, I think the Titans played a weirdly like just the perfect game. They had defense, they were getting, you know, they were getting turnovers and they were getting field position. And I'm trying to like yep. like the Titans seemed really good, but then you look at the numbers on offense and like no one really mm-hmm. jumps out. And I'm like, well, Tannehill kind of spread around. They were opportunistic. They were able to, you know, move the ball when they needed to. Um and yeah, I, I, like the takeaway is I don't know. Like AJ Brown seemed good, but then you look at his numbers, and it was like, okay, they weren't that good, um, you know. Yeah. And Julio stayed healthy, so it's a hard way to win week in and week out. And so we'll see how it goes. But uh, I, you know, it's kind of a incomplete for me on what I saw there. Well, and the big thing too is that 
you know, I don't know that we got any clarity besides that it's going to be another frustrating backfield. Let's yep. copy paste Ravens again yep. because Adrian <laughs> Peterson got the goal line carries, got more of that lead work. We saw the McNichols role stayed the McNichols role. Uh, saw a little mm-hmm. bit of an uptick in his usage because of how the offense was run. But Donta sure. Foreman comes in and looks as good, if not better, than Adrian Peterson. Doesn't get the goal line carry, though. So does it like, is it more Foreman going forward? Does Adrian Peterson still get the goal line? So now, copy-paste Ravens and frustration just going forward. The only one that you can rely on is McNichols and half and full-point PPR because he's got the floor, mm-hmm. but he has no ceiling, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're always going to get a weird game when you get a pick six for a score and a interception that sets you up on what, like the one yard line or the two yard yeah. line on back to back possessions for your opponent's offense. That's always going to lead to some strange, strange scripts. And that's what we saw for the Titans in that win on Sunday night. Uh, now I've got sort of a games to uh, wrap us up here. The first one of those Panthers and Patriots is Sam Darnold just ruining DJ Moore, Jake. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I could basically be all right. We've got that. We've got Raiders, Giants. We've got Bills, Jaguars. We've got Texans, Dolphins. Are you so, asking which one we want to talk about? No, no, no. I'm asking is Sam. I'm just saying those are the games that are left. And then I'm really asking is Sam Darnold ruining DJ Moore? <laughs> well, yes. But also, yeah. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's absence was ruining that offense, too. So I still think I'm, I'm looking for better, better days for DJ Moore. But whereas before this game, I was like, and this is coming from the person who poo-pooed, not on, poo-pooed Sam Darnold yes. the entire year, even when he was doing well in fantasy because of the rushing touchdowns. I was still saying I would buy DJ Moore as a fringe wide receiver one. I'm not saying that anymore. I think he's locked into being a wide receiver two at this point because even if Christian McCaffrey balances that offense back out, is still going to be – he's going to be still too inconsistent to be – you know, Justin Jefferson or DJ Moore going forward. Five weeks ago, we're probably saying that's a toss-up. Now, mm-hmm. it's Justin Jefferson even with the limited targets. I would take Justin Jefferson on five targets every single week versus DJ Moore with 10 because that's what we're looking at. So, still buying low, still ruining it, yes. But, yeah, that's, I think, going forward, so – I was just going to say Sam Darnold almost literally ruined DJ Moore with a, like a high crossing pass that that caused DJ Moore to take it right in the right in the rib cage and knocked him out for like I don't know play like a few plays or whatever. But Sam Darnold, God, he just is bad. Like his interception was so <laughs> like I think I think we've seen enough, haven't we? Now uh-huh. to know that Sam Darnold is yes. not a viable franchise quarterback. Like he's he's even if you were going to be like generous and say. Thing, like everything went wrong with the yeah. Jets and wanted to be super generous and say that he had little to do with it. If you were holding out hope for anything, I think that has been dashed after this first half of the season in Carolina. It's got to go into the Blaine Gabbert, you know, Blake Bortles world yeah. where we gave him a shot and it's just uh-huh. never going to work out. You're going to be a backup the rest of your career. It already was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But now even the people who were wanting to be as generous as possible to him have to have come around to that realization as well. Raiders and Giants, strange, strange way that we got to a 23-16 Giants win because, you know, the Giants, are I feel like, are sort of getting a pass for the fact that that offense didn't really look particularly good at all. Devontae Booker had a fine game, but whatever. Hunter Renfro, is he rising? Is he rising now, guys? Uh, it goes back to what I said at the beginning about the Brian Edwards situation. But there's something that, like, again, I'm not 
don't drop them yet. Don't if you need help, obviously, but don't just drop because you're bitter and angry. Because I I do mm. think that Sean Jackson could help. Maybe it doesn't, but I would give him one more week. And here's the other reason why. So Dan Dugan pointed this out. Uh, something I talked about on the podcast on Pat Mayo's podcast for last week too. This is why watch all the stuff we do and watch best on the board, like all the podcasts we do everywhere. Um, but <laughs> the Giants' defense has been really good the past three weeks at keeping teams in check. They're not the Bills. They're not a stalwart. But what they do mm-hmm. is they do, you know, if you looked at Bradbury on paper, you say, oh my God, he gives up a lot of receptions. But if you look at the yards per reception and the amount of touchdowns, they keep everything in front of them. They don't get beat deep. They keep everything checked down, limited, and this is why it was a Renfro matchup. Again, I had Renfro in front of Edwards, but I still thought Edwards would do something. But I say this going forward. If you're facing the Giants in a matchup and for your wide receivers, look for more of the middle of the field, short option guys, high volume guys. You know, this could be a game where DJ Moore did a lot of work if the Panthers were to play them. So that's the thing going forward. I say Renfro, yes, is rising, but also I'm not going to put him in a wide receiver two conversation because a lot of it had to do with the matchup that I think a lot of people are overlooking. By the way, Patrick Graham deserves some head coaching uh, conversation this offseason. Uh, just really quickly, Hunter Renfro didn't do anything he hasn't done all year long. Like a seven for <laughs> yeah. 49 in a touchdown game is right in line with what Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro has been doing all year long. He's been between 36 and 70 yards in every game and like uh, only under five catches one time. So it's whether he mm-hmm. scores a touchdown or not. He's kind of like the, you know, what we would always call like the Latavius Murray's where if you don't score a touchdown, you get, you know, 50, 60 yards. And yeah. Yep. So. All right, guys. Was anyone happy after Bills Jaguars? Anyone? Urban anyone Meyer. At all? Anyone? He was smiling yeah. from here to here. He was like, he was running onto the field and doing backflips. Yeah, we haven't seen an Urban Meyer smile all season long. So that was yeah. people who people who didn't take the Bills and Survivor. Uh, no, you know who yeah. was happy. You already jo- mentioned him earlier. Josh, Josh Allen was happy, but not the one from the Bills. Oh my God! Can <laughs> yeah. we stop with that? Not you, fun. Just oh my God! It was like that that joke was dead and buried 13 minutes after it's just like holy it is crap, amazing though it. is it not it is kind of a weird it, it was it, it's the most week nine fun. thing it's fun. yeah yeah no, no no it was and the thing and it got compounded because it was like there's never been a player that sacked the player with the same name and it happened but then the fumble uh-huh. happened and that has never happened and then he got the interception yeah. it was like oh we got the trifecta and like but it just and it never stopped for the rest of the day that was the issue it was like <laughs> Nobody had expected Josh Allen to have a better day than Josh Allen. Like, okay, we get it, too. But here's the real takeaway. We mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you were looking for a tight end and you ignored the waiver column for three weeks, Dan Arnold is a top 10 tight end. Yes, absolutely. And I think we can just – we're not going to – we're not going to be at all worried about the Bills, right? This is a a one-game thing. That's completely at any given Sunday. And it, yeah, but uh, I mean, we we said the same thing about the Chiefs. Oh, you even ago. have the thing under the sea. You got the you got the little thingy there. It's, it's magic what you can do <laughs> these days on a keyboard, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, magic. we had pretty. We had at least one solid bad half against Miami as well the, the week before. So, um, yeah. so it's yeah. Know, but look who they get this week: the Jets. <laughs> uh, so I, I was joking aside. I think what you mentioned about the Miami game, their schedule, excuse me, their schedule to this point and Josh Allen in that half of that game, Josh Allen at mm-hmm. one other point, and then especially yesterday, is that maybe the fearsome matchups that they have coming up, which I don't think there's a lot, but you know, they get the Saints in New Orleans and the Saints mm-hmm. defense is legitimately good. They get the Patriots right after that. Buccaneers, you could see going either other way, and then you get the Patriots again for week sixteen. You know, maybe it's not as cut and paste and dry as it's simple as like start him no matter what. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you have to wonder, like a team, like how can you, how can you go in a game at six to nine and you and you ran the ball with your running backs nine times? Like, I, I wonder if if the Buffalo just needs to kind of look in the mirror and say, hey, we need to have at least some semblance of balance. Is this what's given us a little bit of problem here? Is the teams aren't respecting our ability to run at all, other than from our quarterback and. Um, so has, that that might be. Has something. anybody said the good loss thing with them yet? Has anybody thrown that out no. there? <laughs> it's got, you know we're gonna get to it eventually. Don't don't just give it some time because we definitely will hear that I'm sure at some point this week. Last game, do you guys care about anything that happened in Texans Dolphins? Either you want to jump in? <laughs> I like I like Miles Gaskin getting 20, 20 carries. That was exciting. Uh, you know I'm all in on on good things happening for Miles Gaskin. That was nice. I expected him to get fewer than that because I expected more Ahmed in that kind of game of what yeah. that game exactly was for the Dolphins so like that I think that's the more surprising thing and you know I was slow to come around on Gaskin but it was the backfield so yeah but uh, you know what the good thing is go go how many targets did Brandon Cooks have there you go I'll, <laughs> oh, I'll yeah, take like even 13 catch- or something it was something crazy yeah I don't even yes. care I told you I don't care if he only catches half of his passes this year when you're gonna get 150 yeah. targets in the season I don't care <laughs> yep 13 targets, turned it into 6 for 56. But the 13 targets, that definitely looks nice on the stat sheet. There's uh, no arguing with that. Was Tyrod Taylor's attempted throwaway that turned into an interception the worst throwaway in NFL history? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it we sort just, of has to be, right? Nah, we just had Carson Wentz and the, it's Matthew Stafford just do both of them at the end zone there, so I don't know. Yeah, but they're at least in theory like trying to make plays. Yeah, there was another. I was literally trying to just throw it, like dump it out of bounds, and was too like. No, we already had, we had one of those two like two or three weeks ago, where yeah. it was just throwing out of bounds and it stayed in bounds and turned into an interception. <laughs> Wasn't that Darnold? Was I think that it was, was Darnold? Darnold, yeah, we was kind of running towards this, running to his left towards the sideline and kind of just lobbed it up uh, and it went. Yeah, and it went, stayed in bounds. Yeah, and that turned was into the one an I was thinking of too. And that's yeah, that's part of the reason <laughs> why go. I've pushed Darnold into Blaine Gabbert territory. So it's, it's top five, Beller. Yeah, it's and and it's I think it's easily also the week ninest play of week nine that we had. I mean that was you know that's the, the, the Dolphins go and score a touchdown and that's the difference of the game is uh, the throwaway that wasn't from Terod Taylor. So uh, still have a lot of faith in him bouncing back next week. Now you know let him get the rust off and then we can come back uh, to Terod and that Houston offense. You know maybe uh, maybe a week from now. But uh, that's a that's a discussion for later in the week because we've had all the discussions we're going to have on this episode. That's going to do it for the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast here to. Today for Jake and for Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for listening to us. Good luck if you have anything that you still need to go right in Bears and Steelers. We'll talk to you all soon.